This is Quarantine Chronicles, episode 18. It is, well, when you are listening to this, listener, audio listener, it will be January 24th. We're recording on the 23rd, just, uh, breaking, uh, no, we're, we're looking behind the curtain, uh, the same way that Dorothy did at the end of The Wizard of Oz. I, I have not seen The Wizard of Oz. I, uh, really? maybe we'll, uh, I, maybe don't it will do I've that ever for an episode. Seen it what? I least, well, I don't Wizard part- of Oz? I've, performed in the stage play of it in elementary school i've seen various parody versions of the wizard of oz but i don't think i've seen the original in its completion i know i've seen parts of it but i, think I mean at this point i, I think, think we all i think enough parodies we've seen enough parodies or clips online that we know the beats <laughs> of the movie right mm-hmm. at this we've we've basically seen the movie at this point yeah and who are we speaking of well, we? <laughs> well yeah so wait i mean wait so you actually have seen it jason Yes, I have. I'm Jason. Thank you, Angel. He called out my name. Oh, and that's Angel. Look at that. We're just calling yep. each other. My virtual right, Jason. My virtual left, Angel. And uh, we have a pretty jam-packed episode for you. And you're Kevin. And I'm Kevin. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> I'm so I'm so stressed. I'm so stressed out. Oh, it's been been a weird been a weird week. Uh, how are you guys? I'm doing okay. It's been a whiplash of weather out here too. It's like scorching hot like 90 plus degrees on monday now it's like rainy and like 50 today i Aren't feel like, like someone in canada is like dude it's negative 20 what are you talking about but for LA, also had like extremely crazy. high wind and downy like around yes. Tuesday or wednesday that i remember like we got like a message saying like oh you know we might get a power outage just in case just so you're aware be ready for that we didn't is but, this you know. is this a podcast lower podcast high that we've resorted to talking about the weather the ultimate in you know i mean we're talking about like shallow extreme. conversation it's not like we're <laughs> Yeah, going. Oh, it's been a nice crisp seventy degrees out. You know, perfect temperature to. No one calls seventy degrees crisp. I would hope. <laughs> uh, why I, is that? I think in that I think hot? in California we Cold? do. Do we? I feel like crisp here would be like sixty-two. Like seventy still. That's way too cold. No, sixty-two. That's way too it's cold. A crisp sixty-two. Crisp is like you could go outside in a t-shirt. Crisp? No. What? No. Do you think crisp is like you're frying an egg and it gets crisp? Because crisp is the opposite. No, like no, no, no. Cold. I, 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 I consider brisk. crisp like almost like a. I don't want to say like perfect temperature, but just a step above cool, like just cool enough and just warm enough that I don't know why I even use the word crisp. But so as as someone that lived in winter weather for a good chunk of his childhood, uh, crisp usually implies go. not that. So <laughs> crisp is usually like it's brisk out. They're kind of interchangeable. Wait, what, like it's like like chilly. Well, now you're making me define brisk. Uh, yeah, not exactly true. It's just like the air. It's like winter, like a, a, a clear winter day is crisp. Like it's like like the air just feels like. Well, break it down. Crispy is def- like I mean we have we have um that cereal rice krispies. I'm guessing crispy yeah. is for something that is popping or crumbly. No, well okay, Which crumble is not one of the really three verbs with how for rice krispies. It's, it's snap crackle. Hold on, it's snap crackle pop. It's not snap crumble pop. It's not like blue cheese. They're called rice krispies. Uh, no, but yes, yeah, think of, think of rice krispies. Think of like when you buy into rice krispies, that kind of like brisk like like that to it that's sort of like the air that's how the weather feels it's like nice and satisfying it's like yes nice and perfect that's definitely not i mean you're also the you're (laughs) also the guy that would consider that crisp i guess like if it's if it's i can just wear a t-shirt outside and maybe some shorts uh that's that's a nice crisp weather that's not i'm 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 signing with angel my my voice broke there i'm signing with angel that's how passionate you are it's defined as firm or brittle or describes cool weather or uh writing and talking in a abrupt but polite way i pulled up okay well you're in california now so you gotta it's crisp air is cold dry and fresh 
like mountain air. At least I got someone to agree with me on this one compared to uh, in another chat with some other friends. Um, Yeah, like I was using it's all downhill from here as a positive because it's easier to go downhill than uphill. I feel like if you say it's all uphill from here, you know, like, okay, yeah, no, you don't know. (laughs) That's 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 absolutely wrong. What are you talking about? you, you, You had one ally and you just lost him. Instantly, <laughs> like you yeah, just I'm take take back. <laughs> you had someone on I your mean, side, and you're like, "Let me tell you my other weird English isms." I mean, if it's all downhill, you're coasting. You could just like you don't even have to pedal. You just like go down, blazing speed, having fun. I mean, speed is like apparently like one of the best sensations people could feel. So therefore, if it's all downhill from there, it's so what happens, Angel, possible. at the end of going downhill when you have all that speed? You reach your definition going... faster. But how do you like? stop because the idea with it's all downhill from here is it becomes out of control and you keep building speed and you keep going, um, and going there, and it gets worse and worse yeah have you ever there, seen those there, videos of, of people like in san francisco uh just lining up to go down a hill on like skateboards well, this, or, is, this or is a metaphorical skates. downhill like in some those, of these guys those, eat oh yeah hard they, they i'm shocked some of them don't go like well, exactly off, because like, it's all uphill for them i'm like, surprised that the, some of them just don't straight up die on some of those <laughs> I mean, yes, they're literally yeah. going downhill, but their I guess struggles are going uphill. Huh. It's more, it's not, it's not very literal, but like in this metaphorical downhill, there is still more than enough space to stop and maybe crash into a so, giant cushion that will stop you safely. So, so what you're saying is when you say, "Hey, it's all going downhill," you need to then amend to that. And what I mean by that is, there's a big cushion at the end. So it's a positive every time you use the phrase in the way you choose to use it. Yeah, but I, I never use it. That's just kind of how like I think about it sometimes when I decide to overthink it. Mm. You know, shower thoughts. Mm. It's like, huh, I would rather go downhill than uphill. That is a good save at the end that this wasn't misinterpretations. It's just shower thoughts. Yeah. You can think good, of save. Thought. good save. Good mm. save. Yeah. Because, I mean, you never really hear anyone say it's all uphill from here. Because, I mean, yeah, I guess. No, but they will say, you know, it's been an uphill climb or it's been an uphill struggle or it's been, you know. Yeah, which is supposed to be the negative. Uphill battle. There we go. Thank you. So, I I guess going in either direction of a hill is considered bad. Well, I mean, think about. struggle or it's all downhill. Like, they're both used in a negative way. Well, I think to a degree, when you say it's all downhill from here, I guess people are also thinking like, okay, we're going all the way down to hell, maybe. Yeah, I think I think yeah. they're thinking about like you know the stock market graph where it's like, oh, profits, everything's going down because you know down is typically considered something negative. But and I, think... I was just thinking about, but then I took it, I guess, a step higher where it's like you know downhill, like going down an actual hill is relatively easy and fun typically i think you actually mean a step lower because you talk about downhill haha <laughs> no but uh what i was just saying it is you do bring up an interesting <laughs> thing about <laughs> you do bring up an interesting thing about like how words can have like because you're like uphill and downhill mean the same thing like think about like oh that you know someone's saying something's cool or something's hot those are both positives they're opposite words so it is funny how english kind of works like that like even that like we know of like you know a pair of someone's like that's hot in like 2006 we knew for that also meant that's cool but they're literally the opposite definitions so it's not it's not that uncommon. Did that ever really catch on? Like that's hot. I mean, it was her catchphrase for a while. Well, well yeah, but, but did, or but fine, did you know, an, a modern example, to, like the general public. Like I feel like no uh, one ever says that's hot for something that's cool. Not really, but people knew what it meant. Was kind of poor. A better example is people saying stuff is lit. Lit is something on fire. Oh, yeah, that's a good that, point. There was a... and cool is the opposite of it, but they are used interchangeably. Yeah, these last couple of years, lit was. Uh, I mean, I I still use it. Dead. Oh, one of our, one people of our use it. Gilbert a- still uses it. Yes, and and people use it with af a lot, which I'm just throwing out there. Af, oh, yeah, lit af. I know it's not af. I'm not that old. Um, no, I've, but yeah, no, like, I've definitely uh, I've definitely heard people say lit af or af. Yeah, 
yeah, AF, yeah. I, I feel like I've heard more. AF is more like... Well, AF is people say. poking... Well, AF is people making fun of AF, I think. Mm, I don't but think you were, though. I was. I definitely was, because it's, it's an acronym. It stands for something. But anyway, uh, my point is, yeah, so, like, the, the idea that, like, a word has to have a logical explanation doesn't necessarily hold water because, you know, they contradict themselves <laughs> all the time. Slang is a weird thing. Slang is a very weird thing. I mean, yeah. Language is interesting. I mean, case in point, my whole downhill thing. But, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of speak in a shower thoughts, like, something that I guess I have been thinking about, like, this weekend, kind of, like, since quarantine began, just because um, we haven't really been going to restaurants a lot lately. If anything, a lot of us have been ordering in and taking that experience out of it and literally just eating, you know, just the food. So... Mm-hmm. Essentially, all you get to judge a restaurant by now is literally just the quality of the food. And for the longest time, like, I've been... I've never really been a fan of higher-end restaurants. And I know this is a very subjective thing. Not so much because the food is bad, but it's mainly because I feel like... Something I like to coin, if it doesn't already exist, the yum-to-buck ratio. Um, essentially... yum-to-buck ratio. The yum-to-buck ratio. How much... episode title. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> Essentially, how delicious a food is per dollar spent on its value. But yeah, per dollar spent on it. So I could go to, say, um, I don't know, I'll just say a quick example, like Jack in the Box and get a, a $3 or less um, Sriracha burger. Um, they're not as great now, but at one point, they were, I thought they were really great. It was like one of my favorite fast food burgers. Um, you know, the sourdough, the Sriracha, everything was just great on it. The excess of pickled jalapenos, yum, yum, yum. And yeah, like I just really... <laughs> on a side note, I'm sorry to cut you off. I absolutely hate the word yum, Y-U-M. Any variations <laughs> of, of yummy. Uh, I, it I doesn't silly, but... Why, why is that, Kevin? It It's such a childish word to me, I think. Like when I think yum, I think, oh, okay, uh, uh, toddler. You don't know how to yum. properly describe it? Like yummy yeah. in my tummy type of thing? Yeah, exactly. Oh, God, yeah. I just... <laughs> I'm about to end the episode right there. Jesus Christ. I I don't ever want to hear you say those words again, okay? All right, continue but, but, with but, the but, yum, 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 yeah, yum, 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 I mean, to, uh, to be honest, I actually was trying to think of other, I guess, rhyming scheme or just a name for this better than yum to buck. My initial was actually like to delish to dollar or dollar to delish ratio or something like that. Yum but, to buck, uh, I think. Like, yum to buck, it, so, yeah, so but it's concise. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just, yeah. yeah, it's shorter. I think you want the three syllables. You want as, yeah, you want as few syllables as possible. Yeah. Well, yeah, so to continue on the sriracha burger thing, you know, I really enjoyed that <laughs> burger for three bucks. It felt like, wow, I really got my money's worth. Then we go to a restaurant. I can't even couldn't even tell you the name of some of these because we've gone to so many. But let's say something like maybe not Father's Office. Uh, sure, Father's Office. Um, An I, LA staple for those outside of the city. Oh, actually, yeah. a better or like Slater's twenty twenty. So we get a burger there on average, like the burger like will cost like twenty bucks or like something like like around that price range. And at most, I'll enjoy their burger but for how much i'm spending on it it feels way too overpriced and i know part of it is you know you get the ambiance or you're kind of paying for the environment to some extent and i just don't really get any value from that whatsoever like i feel like most of the time like i just don't care about the ambiance unless it's something specifically geared towards me to the point where it almost makes up for the quality of the food and which is really rare like the only example i could think of where I care about the ambiance so much that the not that great food was almost unimportant. It's the Capcom bar in Japan. Like, okay, I, I, bar, I was close. I thought that you were going to say the robot restaurant in Japan. Oh, well, I haven't been there which, yet. Which, which they're, they're, oh, you're, they're within walking distance of each other, right? Yeah. yeah like, like, I, we, down the street from one another. Yeah. 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 We went to the outside of it. 
But um, I'm sure if I've been there, like that would also be on there. But like for example, like the Capcom bar, the food is it's, it's definitely on the pricier side. It's a it's on par for the course for you know you get your twenty dollar burgers, your more expensive drinks. Like a small plate of nachos will be way more than what you would expect. But like if you're a fan of Capcom games, like if you order like a steak with bone through it like the Monster Hunter steak, it's not that great. But the whole, like literally they'll stop like the music and everything. They'll stop everybody in the restaurant. As soon as they give it to you, they'll play that music of cooking steak and Monster Hunter on the loudspeaker for the whole place. And then when it's done, they'll do, they'll say the words or the, you know, like, oh yeah, like, oh yummy or whatever. But in Japanese, that comes out after that. Like, or, you know, when they give you, like my brother ordered a, like a Ryu drink. It was like some kind of vodka concoction, but it had like a giant ice ball that looked electrical because it was like Ryu's like Shinku Hadouken with the electricity power up from Street Fighter 5. And when they gave it to him, they server literally did like the full Shinku Hadouken mo- motion. Plus he, plus the guy actually does the, he he will say it like they do in the, yeah, the, like uh, they do in, in the, the game. game. Yeah. That, that guy, that guy's dedicated. I don't think I can do that. Like <laughs> if there was a Capcom bar here and that was a server and people were ordering drinks called the Hadouken, I don't think I can go Hadouken like the entire day. <laughs> That guy. Yeah, and you, he didn't, by the yeah. way, go Hadouken the entire day, I don't think. Because when I went to the Capcom bar on a different trip separate from Angel with a, with a different friend and we ordered that, they just brought it over like it was a normal drink. <laughs> you know, I think it might have to do with like the energy of the group because like when – like the first time I went – We went um, what, like six little, people deep? Yeah, we were like six people deep. Like I've been there like twice now and both times like they pretty much like did that like nice presentation with the food because like – we were playing like, um, like, like one of the times that I went, like, we were literally like playing Street Fighter the whole time. Like, we made it apparent that we were like big fans of Capcom games. Like, we pretty uh... much like ordered like one of everything from the menu because we wanted to try the Resident Evil syringe drink, the the freaking fire nachos from Ken or whatever. So like, and some of the stuff like there was even one drink. It was like themed after Birdie from Street Fighter Five that I think everyone agreed like didn't taste that great. I don't even think we finished it. There was some stuff that I don't even think we finished just because it didn't taste that great. But the experience I felt was like what you went there for. Like you didn't go there for the food, but. Here in LA, or most of the time that we go out to eat, we're going there for the food. It's like supposedly the the best sandwich in LA, the best pastrami, the best so and so whatever, or like amazing pizza, like Milo whatever. I forgot the name of the place, but we went there. Another one, of like the last places we went to after before COVID, or some like Italian restaurant. All of those, I feel, yeah, the food was good, but I still wasn't like I felt gypped. Like I felt like I wasn't satisfied with the with how much I spent on it. Like I felt like I just didn't feel worth it. And I know that's like extremely subjective. Other people like might scoff at say like, oh, I would never pay for like a hamburger. Like you know, like go to like Carl's Jr. or any of these other restaurants. But I don't know. I feel like I can appreciate both. Like. If I mean, if a sandwich is really good, like I think there's a few examples like Cantor's or I forgot the name of the other one that had a pastrami sandwich. Langer's. That, Langer's. Langer's. That was just like, also to throw in the mix green blats on Sunset Boulevard. Really good pastrami. Really good rye bread. Actually, that was just like that sandwich. That pastrami sandwich from Cantor's, I think, was like really good. That I'm like, you know, what? like I really liked this. I actually felt like it was worth the price. Like I would pay twenty plus dollars for this or whatever. It was but, not. But it's like twelve. And you, dude. And you <laughs> ate inside Cantor's, right? Yeah. So, did, but was but yeah but now but now like ordering that outside is like huh does that make it still feel worth it and like that one it i don't think okay. it was 20 i don't remember how much it was but it's like 12 some Therapy of those strides like 12 yeah but like considering i kind of ignore ambiance like i literally put the value of the whole meal onto that food so if i take away the restaurant i feel like more people are now potentially in my shoes like they maybe they might see it not as worth it as before but 
I'm kind of curious, like, where you guys stand. Like, do you guys kind of factor everything into the meal? Or are you guys ever like, uh, like, this was good, but it was too expensive? Or you're just like, I don't really care how much it costs because I know I'm going to be paying a lot anyway. So you don't even think about it. I mean, I don't know. I feel like everyone is kind of different on this. And some people can get a little elitist on it. But I don't know. No, no, you can lead. I I sort of, well, I guess I'm I'm going. Um, (laughs) I, to a degree, if I know that we're going to, because we have some bougie tastes in our friend circle. Yes. If uh, if we're going to go out somewhere, I already know that we're going to spend a lot of money. So the ambience probably doesn't do anything. I I guess the only time that, that the actual ambiance will matter to me is for like Korean barbecue where you physically have to interact oh, with yeah. the restaurants mm. <laughs> to a degree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, just having a nice place to eat is, is, is fine too. But yeah, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Cause I, I, I'm definitely prejudiced towards it. Cause I know like even before we go in, like I'm already like dreading, like, uh, it's going to be like a big, like it's going to cost a lot. Oh, of it, plus, you know, espe- like especially tip. if it's, if it's a place that does tapas style, I I can't stand that. I'm already Wait, what's the, the little like, like shareable the little plates. meals for it's like we're gonna give you eight things to eat, but it's only gonna be like a bite of each thing. Uh, yeah, see that too. I think I I think in general I value experiences highly. Like I like I'm the guy who everyone's like, oh, you know, movies are gonna be now something you watch at home, okay? And I'm like, what? But the experience of like going to the theater and like getting a bag of popcorn and like that's part of it, and that's worth like sixteen bucks. And everyone else is like, what? It's just on HBO Max. Just watch it. Like I'm already in the mindset. Of I prefer experiences and like kind of atmosphere and everything. So I do lean more towards liking the everything going on around the meal but it is interesting because i obviously am now doing takeout and not eating in restaurants and first of all the food quality takes a hit right off the bat because if you're getting takeout or delivery and it has to be put in a container and taken somewhere it is sitting there in its heat and its steam and it's whatever and the food you get is not the same as when you get in the restaurant the second it's made so already oh, yeah. off the bat, it's not at all a fair comparison. And some stuff fares better than others. Others like I'm, you know, sushi. I know Kevin, you had a sushi craving the other day. It travels oh, pretty well. Man. I feel like it travels pretty the well. Sushi. Like I, I was surprised. I live, uh, the, my apartment's pretty close to Sawtell, like the main drag of like Japanese food for LA, basically. And I didn't, or one of them, and I didn't expect but was surprised that udon and ramen actually travel surprisingly decently as long as you don't let it slosh around too much so like some of those it's like not you know it is what it is but there's definitely some food that takes a hit having the atmosphere removed does make me more conscious of the quality of the food for the price because like uh, i think i mentioned on the show a couple of a couple quarantine chronicles ago that um i was doing like this fried chicken sandwich challenge of sorts of like trying all the different fried chicken sandwiches around la and truthfully popeyes at six bucks is better than some of the 14 dollar ones there's a place called crack shack i tried for the first time yesterday which is crack like crack an egg um and they do chicken sandwiches and breakfast sandwiches and stuff and they were quite good but they're also like two and a half times the price of popeyes and so that's the closest i've ever come angel i think to what you're describing about like you just you know there's just some you prefer taste wise because normally I'd go into Crack Shack, I would imagine. I'd order there. I'd sit down and have this atmosphere. They have chicken puns everywhere. So already I'm sold. And, you know, that'd be like the experience. It's like, oh, yeah, well, this is like a whole thing. And it's like 40 bucks. And they have like beer on tap and all this stuff. And, you know, they have to pay for all this. And, yeah, party experiences the sandwiches a little more. But with, the, with that do. removed, I am just looking at, well, Popeye's was the better sandwich that was delivered to, that I picked up in the same way I picked this $14 one up. Mm. So it is it, – my perspective has changed a little but yeah, I so, do so very much like extent, the atmosphere. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I do really like atmosphere and like going to a thing. It's like an event and like I like tapas a lot actually. I know you don't come, but I like it a lot because you get to try a bunch of different things and you're doing it like this kind of like you're all hanging out together and trying the different things and it's a way to like, you know, sample things mm. I maybe never had before and know if I want to order them. As nah, a man, f- that. Sure. Especially when, especially when we'll, we'll like get something and it's yeah. really good and everything else does not compare to it. It was like, well, damn, yeah, I yeah. wish I could have just had a meal of that other thing. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And it's like, uh, it, there's definitely that, like it, I think, but I think to me, it goes back to experience things. Cause you're like, I'm like experiencing all these different things versus just being like, I want to eat a thing. Just give me a thing. It's like, oh, well, it's like a whole event kind of. Yeah, like, that, I that's like kind of the events. thing too. Cause like, I, I think that statement alone, like I want the thing, give me the thing. Yeah. Like kind of says a lot about guess, the type of people that I guess would appreciate restaurants more because I there's been very few times I can't even think of an example off the top of my head where we've gone to a restaurant where I wasn't already hungry because I feel like part of the thing that makes me just kind of have a prejudice or just kind of puts me in a bad mood towards restaurants is just the longer wait times like you know when you go to most typical I guess faster restaurants I mean they don't necessarily can be considered you know like you know Chick-fil-A Habit In-N-Out blah 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 Mm -hmm. you typically get your food like the whole thing is like 30 minutes or less like the whole like getting there getting the food like it could be that fast or faster but then you know like i feel like most of the time when we're like oh let's go get somewhere to eat it's around the time that we're starting to get hungry we get to the place sometimes we have to wait just to be seated and then we're seated and then we have to like wait a lot longer for the server to come and then they're like okay we'll give you some more time and then we get some more time and then they finally take our order and then that takes like another 15 to 20 sometimes like 40 minutes depending on where we are Mm -hmm. and by that time it's like i'm just so hungry that sometimes it doesn't fill me up or like it's just i feel it just doesn't help its cause because you know i'm like even paying less attention to the ambiance because i just want to eat it and then it's like oh it costs this much too pretty much so so that's that's not even a yum to buck ratio that's an immediacy to something right like that's about like well, the speed it almost I mean, it's sounds the, like on some level like if you could get the let's say i mean I, w- I would assume that the food tastes like worse at that point considering that you just spent an hour or more starving yeah because like, overpriced because sometimes it's like from the moment you okay, enter the restaurant burger. to the moment you eat could be like 40 minutes to an hour later like on average and that's most places, but yeah. But see, that's like, why, like, at those I mean, restaurants, like, you get restaurant. a drink, they bring you bread, you kind of pace it, like, it, but it, that's, it's, again, but the that's experience. Kind of like but it's experience. Like, you know, like, because if I'm really hungry, you know, like, sometimes they, yeah, they will give you infinite bread or whatever. But then you don't want to fill up on that because then you won't even really get to finish your food. It kind of feels like a lose-lose situation, in my eyes. But right. I would have to go, like, it would really have to be planned out, like, oh, let's go eat somewhere. But we have to, like, you know, pace it out, like, go when we're not, like, already hungry. Like, I don't know. I It, it, it feels tricky, but... Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely um I think it's definitely more than just how it tastes for the price. It sounds like it's about the the immediacy and Well, that's everything. Um, it's literally the experience, yeah. like everything. Yeah. yeah. Like and you don't really deal with that. That's why it's like I mean, for all I know, people may like that. That could be part of the experience that they're also paying for. Like the anticipation yeah, and I mean, I mean that that's where Jason's at. Yeah, yeah no, that is where I'm at. It's not so much like the anticipation. Like I if they brought me the steak ten minutes earlier, I'd be like, Cool, I can wait ten minutes less. But, um, you know, like going with a group and like you're hanging out or you're whatever and you have drinks and you have your food and, you know, it, it's, I, I guess it's just your, in my mind, which is obviously my opinion, it's, it's more about you're paying for the whole encompassing thing. And I know in yeah, some cases, keep in mind, like most of the time when we go like to these restaurants, we are in a big group. Like, I mean, like something yeah. like both of you are there. Yep. So you think like, oh, well, you know, like time could pass by fast because you're, literally with a group of like five six friends but you know like sometimes when i'm hungry like i guess kind of can't really think about anything else except like oh god where's the damn food so right, right. but i and yeah. i do think but, of you know, course 
to go back to your earlier point, it also depends on setting, but it also depends on setting. Cause like we, when we had our Disney passes, when Disneyland still offered annual passes, RIP annual pass, um, we go get lobster nachos at Cove Bar all oh, the no. time. People have to get a personality now. What? <laughs> I know. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry, folks. You can't just have that magnet on the back of your car and you have more than that in your life now. Um, but yeah, like the lobster but I feel nachos. Like that's why, like, I'm sure, like, you know, if we had more like specifically themed restaurants like i don't even remember how long like it probably took a while to get all our food at the capcom bar but it did there was just so it, much like eye oh, candy capcom, yeah. that like specifically appealed like to us or to me that i it didn't really feel like i waited that long or you know like at disney like you're kind of disneyland you're just distracted by everything mm-hmm. so you know it's extremely mm-hmm. subjective and mm-hmm. but i feel like on like in general that's just kind of like my view on restaurants versus i guess fast food or just you know just price ranges i guess you could just call it price ranges because there are some like when you go to that one farm it's not the something market market where it's just like a farmers? bunch of different places in downtown farmer's market at, oh da- oh the, uh market? no you're talking about um boston i don't know no, no, it's, boston it's market's bunch- you're talking about grand oh, central in, market in, in downtown lake yeah yeah grand central market yeah, there yeah. you go grand central market like a lot of those like are on the more expensive end but you get your food sometimes almost right away because you're just in line and you order it and they just give it to you like i mean those i feel are I have more, I'm more favorable towards those than like, you know, the other sit downs. Cause but you see, know, even what's interesting out. about those is to me, almost that's where the money becomes more of a thing because like they have a grilled cheese place called DTLA cheese or something like that. That makes really good grilled cheese, but I have to sit there and be like, do I want to spend double digit oh, yeah, but on yeah, grilled it's... cheese? Um, but then other stuff like Wexler's, which is a deli there is priced more moderately. So it, it, that because you're removing some of that experience, then the pricing really does come to the forefront the same way right now. Oh, yeah. you delivery or it, pickup. It does. So it's, it's, yeah. For me, at least, it's very interesting to see, like, I could so clearly see where it splits between you're doing a thing versus you're just eating food and then what that Yeah, so there's also a big spectrum. And, like, going back to that place, like, I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I think the peanut butter was, like, almond butter. I forgot what it was, but it was, like, 10 bucks or something for, like, a peanut butter sandwich. And I remember... It was almond butter, yeah. And I remember, like, I know I like almond butter because I've had almond butter before that I've liked, but that one in particular, I just didn't like it. Like, I'm like... uh, Like, in my head, I'm like... I literally get way more enjoyment out of a Smuckers that's like a buck or something. I think we all called you crazy when <laughs> when you didn't enjoy that that uh, peanut butter jelly sandwich. Yeah, and then it, and I think my brother peanut ate it or someone good. ate it, but yeah, like you know, yeah. but that's just like obviously personal taste. Like we're all different in that sense, but yeah, yeah it is what it is. I, I guess at this point, I can take or leave the restaurant. That being said, the fact that I haven't been inside a restaurant in I. It, I'm pretty sure I didn't go to any restaurant in January. I do miss going to it. I'm sure once restaurants open up, you know, yeah, well, in 17 years, once uh, once America's finally done with COVID, <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll I probably still won't go to restaurants as frequently as I used to. But it's gonna be nice to finally have the option again. Yeah, yeah. I, miss yeah, I wonder it. if my views will change having not been there in a long time, and maybe yeah, I don't know, but we'll see. But that's I, I like, like, like Angel was saying, or as Jason was saying, I I was having a huge sushi craving, and sushi like it doesn't matter, it it could get delivered, that's fine. I don't need to be at a revolving sushi bar. That being said, I absolutely miss going to that revolving sushi bar in Little Tokyo just to sit down, not even for the experience of having a conveyor belt wrap around the entire restaurant. I guess at this point, it's just like I'm I'm so sick of being at home. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe it's just that at the at this point. If you want, I think we're all kind of sick of. Being if you at want home. really put to test how you feel about an experience versus a food quality, there is a uh, once things open again in the um, Wilshire Grand in downtown LA, like the tallest building downtown LA for those not in LA. Uh, they have a revolving sushi bar on the 68th floor and the revolving bar goes against the window. 
like the, the conveyor belt's along the window. So you're facing out, looking at all of LA, and then the sushi just kind of slots by in front of you. And, um, it's a little pricier. It's all you can eat though. And part of the all you can eat price includes a free cocktail, like a house cocktail that they make. It's some orange juice thing. So that sounds it's awesome. pretty cool. Can't wait to go in. It's pretty years. cool. But, th- um, one thing I noticed when I went there, like before, so like in February sometime is that, um, I bet you the conveyor belt sushi place in little Tokyo has better sushi. Like the sushi was fine. I was paying more for everything that came with it, but that's like the prime example of experience versus food or yum to buck right there. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see it is good mean. though. It is good. It's just like for the price, you're definitely paying for the fact that you're on the 68th floor of the Toss building west of the Mississippi facing outward, the sushi coming under your nose. Like, you know, it's very, you're paying for that. Okay. Yeah. yeah I see what you mean. Hmm. Yeah. So that'd be a real test. Once everything's open, yeah. 17 years, let's all go and we'll, we'll do a final analysis. <laughs> yeah. That won't be interesting. Uh, I mean, well, I guess, uh, let's get into it. Once everything opens because of COVID, time for the, uh, bi-weekly COVID mm. update. Jason. Oh, jingle, uh, please. Uh, you get two weeks. I know. You get two um, weeks um, every for the last you know the three coming. episodes. You've gotten two weeks. I know. Uh, vaccination sites are open. There you go. Hey, there we go. So, On the uh, jingle, between... That's not always applicable. Pause it. Well, remember last time you guys said it was super depressing, so I tried to think of a positive one. Because I think I said <laughs> yeah, last time we were all going to yeah, die. That's a good point. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, as Jason pointed out, Vaccination sites are open. <laughs> vaccination sites. <laughs> there you go. I know you're so captivated by my angelic voice. I get it. So vaccination sites have now opened. Uh, Dodger Stadium, yes. I think, finally yes. opened as as a place. As did the forum. Uh, has Disneyland opened? Disneyland, yet? I believe, is open. Only, but it's to be clear because they made national news that you can go get a vaccine at Disneyland. You can't. It's not like on Main Street that Mickey Mouse is like putting a syringe in your arm. It's in the Toy Story parking lot. So you're still in a car. You're still driving oh. up, but they're using the parking structure. So and the mascot characters are not. Oh, did people did, did people think that they were going to go through like <laughs> like uh, it's a wonderful world? I'd be on Dumbo, you know, the little spinning Dumbo, and it would lower. And when you hit the bottom part, there's someone with a needle that just jabs your arm before you take up before you go back up, and then you just kind of you know do a little ride, and then you leave. That was my dream. Hmm. Dumbo was also my favorite ride when I was a toddler. That, so. That's not a bad dream. Thank you. It's not the best dream, but it's not a bad dream. What ride would you get your 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 vaccination on these days? What the oh, Matterhorn from like the Yeti, Incredicoaster, like right before you go up the loop de loop, just so you know, like kind of mix it well in your body. I know that's not how it works, but <laughs> so it shakes you well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, hands down Matterhorn, and I want the Yeti that they removed to come back and be the one that does it. Just a guy in a Yeti costume. I've I've been to Disneyland in at this point. Oh man, man, the new Matterhorn is for like good. twenty years. Definitely. I would want to get it on the teacups while the teacups are spinning, you know, just to test <laughs> oh, out. It would go. certainly just to, just to absolutely test out the the doctor or the the volunteer injector. It would one hundred percent distract from the slight needle prick that you'd feel because you'd be so dizzy already, presumably. So yeah, yeah. so there is that. It'd be a good yeah. distraction. Like Matterhorn, I'd still definitely feel yeah. it. I'd just be like, oh, a Yeti, but you'd still feel it. But yeah, teacup, you wouldn't feel it. Um, I feel like Toy Story Mania, if you're like shooting the gun. And then they just jab you while you're shooting. You wouldn't feel it, or you'd be too distracted to care. Uh, yeah, first place gets the gets it first. Yeah, yeah first place gets both <laughs> we'll just... doses. Everyone else, you have to fight to the death for the second dose. <laughs> <laughs> wow, let me think. Yeah, Disney, are you taking notes yeah, so... on this, Bob? Whichever Bob is now chat, whichever one's in charge now, it's not Iger. The other Bob, are you are you listening? Gotta make this happen. Yeah. So aside from the the, the vaccination sites, we inaugurated a new president we did and it seems like it seems to me like this one's actually going to try and at least curb the crisis um he's asking all americans to wear a mask for 100 days but if like this last year has been any indication america is a stubborn nation and if you are if you 
like weren't wearing a mask already, I doubt when your president that doesn't align with your political party is going to be the one to convince you to wear a mask. Um, that said, though, and it's not mandated either. Uh, right? Federally, uh, federally, and in between states. So if you go on anything that moves you from one state to another, you have to. And if you are on any federal ground, you have to because that's the only power he really has. Uh, he can't mandate. I don't know if you saw it, but like crazy. after the inauguration, um, millions of fans were like really annoyed and pissed off that there wasn't a smash reveal at the end of it. But you know, I guess we can't have everything. I thought it was Bernie. I thought it was Bernie and Zmins. He wasn't the smash. He wasn't the smash. <laughs> he practically became a new character. Like that meme just like blew up so hard. It's like literally everywhere. Yeah, Bernie Sitting feels Bernie. the burn would be his little challenger slogan thing when he joined Smash. Yeah, I think I think it would have to be Sanders feels the burn. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's true. Spelled B E R N, of yeah. course. Um, on a more personal level, uh, I got the COVID and, uh, apparently so does everybody in this household. Um, so it's just, it's just a nest of Rona. And, and you guys <laughs> took precautions, right? Like it's, it just shows how pervasive it can be. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So like 20 years in the future, this house is going to look like that, uh, hospital in the last of us two, you know, Angel, oh, where like yeah. the infection started. Yeah. That's, that's but, what this but everyone, house is look like. everyone's doing okay. You're doing okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. My family is, is, is showing very minor symptoms. Thank you for, for the worry, but yeah, we're, we're all doing really good right now we're fighters around here so i'm like 95 percent sure that we will kick this thing in the ass cool good uh, the other five percent is uh no just uncertainty with the i i think i think if you are not if you are 99 percent sure of something maybe within the years of 2000 to 2019 you could say that but like 2020 and now 2021 you you gotta knock knock that down oh yeah head, you know yeah. when you think yeah, everything's so. going a certain way it just the, these two years have uh, make it very easy to turn it on its head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This decade sucks. But yeah, that is the takeaway. Yeah. So yeah, so far it has been great. Yeah. So that was your COVID update, and uh, now we can actually move on to the actual episode. <laughs> Jesus, 40, <laughs> 40 minutes in. We're I, just I feel like. Well, it's funny because we did talk about things we did in quarantine, like eating and how we go about eating has drastically changed. So it is fitting. It, well, I'd say it was on topic. <laughs> so would you say it's all uphill from here? downhill from here oh in terms of what the episode you know i would say uphill because it is going to be a struggle i guess if we're we talking about life or this episode in the literal sense sure yeah i'm I'm talking about about, like the global state oh i thought you meant this episode i'm like why would you say it's uphill? everyone's gonna turn it off (laughs) (laughs) no 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 no. i mean pretty much like after the COVID update like is it all uphill or downhill for you or do you feel it is for it's uphill but i think we're in a position where we can get there i like that that's like especially like even yeah. stuff like so i just <laughs> it's not very other... steep but it is uphill <laughs> no it's it's steep but we just you know if we put our minds to it because like i just heard the other day so apparently um one of the things that the new president is doing is um he's doing the defense act he's enacting it to get them to make these syringes in mass that can get an extra dose out of each vial of the vaccine so instead of five oh, per bottle it could be six that's a 20 percent increase without actually producing any more vaccine so like stuff like that gives me hope that we will get there. It I just will take a little time. time. Uh, uh, I don't have another pun to counter that with. <laughs> I was trying to think of one. I I love I love the optimism, Jason. I'm about to knock us down. Go for bit. it. So I think it's finally time for me to talk about Cyberpunk 2077. Oh yeah, that that's a good counterbalance for I optimism. Do want to, I yeah. Do want to hear about this. <laughs> the perfect counterbalance. <sighs> really. So. 
if if you guys if you listener listen and i'm sure you listen to random nintendo uh you guys would know that this was probably one of my most anticipated games i think of all time honestly i was drinking the kool-aid that cd project red was was like serving me they were talking about how it's going to be a very mechanics heavy rpg where your decisions are going to matter and branch out to different scenarios with like awesome writing and then the world just seemed really cool and since the game came out in, I think, what was it, early December? Yeah, the, yeah, I think I've the 11th, only, ultimately, or something? Yeah, somewhere around there, yeah. Or like the 9th? I've only put 40 hours into the game, and I honestly think I'm done. I, I don't think that I'm going to finish this game. Really? Um, like Tsushima? But not yeah. on a more positive way, I guess? Because you said you were just satisfied. You felt you didn't really need to go on. It wasn't that you were bored, right? Or were you... Board, I guess. Yeah, I, I I felt I felt like that first act of Tsushima could have been its own game. Uh, and there we go. Like I was satisfied with the conclusion with the conclusion of that. This is like much much different. This this is just a I guess apathy. Is that the is that the right word? Sounds like I'm it. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um. So for those who don't know, and honestly, if you listen to to RN or even this podcast, I'm gonna guess that you know what this game is all about. Keanu Reeves. Um. You play as V. Assert. <laughs> oh, we'll get to Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Uh, you, so you play as, as V, just the, the letter V, or the Roman numeral V, whichever one uh, tickles your fancy. Wait, you can't uh, make up your own name? Nope, you are V. I am really surprised you can't. Huh. Angel, like, that... Yeah. Oh, actually, considering it's a RPG, yeah, okay, never mind. Because you make your own character, it's not like yeah, that's The Witcher, that's where like. you play as Geralt of Riveria or whatever. Right, okay, so so let me, let me get into that. I was under the impression, and apparently so were you, and Jason for that matter, <laughs> That you were going to make your own unique character with, like, their own unique style. And that doesn't ever really happen. I mean, you can customize V's appearance in the beginning. But you can't really change their voice. So there's there's a male voice and a female voice. And that's it. You can't change how... Like you know how in RPG, if you make a, a custom character, you usually have, like, I don't know, a couple of choices... <laughs> between if you want like a, a more i guess high pitch or low pitch for lack of a better word like masculine yeah exactly um not here so like w- whatever so so from yeah, they from let there you change you, your you decided their... junk wait what happened yes no, i remember like and let, and let you could customize like your reproductive organs of both sides to further extent. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and they glitch out and, and like, show and like... outside the clothes oh yeah we'll we will get <laughs> we'll get to that um, so like, so once you, once you customize your appearance, you get to choose from like one of three backgrounds with, uh, you know, being a V who was born and raised on the streets of Night City, being a V who was born like on the outskirts, who's, who's just dreams about getting to Night City or a V who starts out like as a corporate slave. And that basically amounts to like a small, I don't know, 20 to 30 minute intro that just funnels into the same prologue. And I don't know, CD Projekt Red really made it seem like this backstory of yours is going to play a huge part into the game. And it just doesn't. Aside from that, on the customization stuff, your character will often look like an idiot. (laughs) And that's because there's no transmog option. So instead of wearing the cool clothes that you'll find, like... You know, I just wanted my V to to be in a blazer with like a good shirt, some nice dress pants, and some nice shoes. No, I'm usually wearing some bright orange jacket that I found from some jackass like in an alleyway, and I just look like an idiot. And because everything has stats in this game, because it's an RPG, obviously you want to go with the the equipment that will give you better the piece that has better stats. Uh, yeah, so it's one of those. Yeah, you seen like those videos where it's like me in an RPG cutscene. You you can't customize any vehicles. All the vehicles have their own stats, but you can't even really see the stats. So you don't know if the car that you just spent all your money on is going to drive like crap. Which 
spoiler alert, the driving in this game sucks. Like, I one of the very first mods for this game to come out... Oh, I'm playing on PC, by the way. One of the very first mods that came out for this game was to actually fix the driving, which is like, oh boy, I don't know how... That kind of sucks for the, for the devs. Um, yeah, so the RPG-ness of it is very, very disappointing. Um, I, I won't spoil exactly what happens in the story, but... After you do that prologue, um, there's, or at the end of the, at, at the end of the prologue, not, not the backstory, not the first 20 minute intro, once, once, uh, once you're finished with one of those three backgrounds, um, you do a bunch of, bunch of little missions that leads into this one large mission. And I guess this has been, I guess it's public information, but like one job goes terribly wrong. And then the game is all about V trying to survive because he's going to die in a couple weeks. And the rest of the game is you trying to figure out how like not to die. Um, and like that prologue is fun, but if you do a side quest or two while in the prologue section, you've kind of seen the rest of the game. And let me talk about the city real quick because I, Night City is pretty cool. If you've seen Blade Runner or Blade Runner, uh, what was the sequel? 2049. I was going to say Blade Runner 2. 2049? Yeah. (laughs) With a zero and a nine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I do love that aesthetic. Yeah. yeah, The, the aesthetic is, is, is awesome. Like, there's huge buildings with huge neon lights that are advertisements anywhere. There's a neat variety of like different districts that each have a distinct feel to them. You know, uh, you got the main city, you have the outskirts that you can go. You got the industrial part of night city. You know, it, there's, uh, I think it's called little Kabuki, which is its own version of little Tokyo night city, especially in the night looks awesome. Uh, if you have a beefy enough PC to, to make this game look nice it's gonna look very very nice but like i said it's it's almost what's that expression it's it's like skin deep yeah yeah um and then especially after after the prologue you've kind of like i said you've kind of seen everything that there is especially if you do a side quest or two and the side quests are so disappointing because the side quests are absolutes in that they're either super lame or super cool there's absolutely no in between and there's a lot more super lame side quests than there are super cool ones uh, uh that's unfortunate the super cool ones are yeah and the super cool ones are usually i guess character driven like the supporting cast in this game is great, and I think that's one of the places where it excels at. The the supporting cast in this game are written extremely well, and the arcs that you go through are awesome. It, I would almost rather this game be a story of you helping out people instead of you trying to figure out how not to die in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are cool, but then there are other monotonous ones where like you'll be chasing down self driving cars that have gone berserk. Or taking down cyber psychos who are people who have just had way too many body modifications and messing with their brain. Um, I don't know. It's just, I'm not really into the main story. I guess I'll get into it. Keanu Reeves is the reason that you're going to die. Um, because hmm. Keanu Reeves is like on this little chip that's implanted in your neck and his personality is slowly taking over V's. That's Keanu Reeves is woefully miscast. Yeah, it's like, that's interesting. Oh man. <laughs> Really, he does oh, but it's, you know what? It allowed for that moment where he called me and everyone else in that Microsoft Deer beautiful. So it's breathtaking. 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 You're right. How would I even get like that? Wow. Yeah. That that is unfortunately the best part. <laughs> that's the best thing that's come out of Cyberpunk 2077. Um, Angel, you've played the Fallout games, right? I've watched my brother play most of them, or at least like. Okay, this game is just a Fallout game. <laughs> honestly. If if you have seen how those games, their gunplay especially feels like, then you'll know how this one plays. It's very sluggish. So there's a lot of time. I guess what sets it apart? Picking from... the body part you want to shoot. Yes, exactly. Oh, really? Oh. Um, 
except except you're not freezing time to shoot a body part you're slowing down time so that you can use what are called quick hacks where you press a button or a key and then time slows down and you'll zoom into an enemy and then you'll have a little list of hacks that you can do um so like you'll press a button and then you can hack items or items or enemies near you and i like to play the game stealthy and the, the stealth isn't great in this game honestly so like what i would do is i would hack nearby vending machines to distract enemies and have them go to that vending machine and they'll do the like oh and then you know (laughs) i'll go back Uh, i'll go to them and and knock them out from behind you can like hack enemies so that they go blind temporarily or like you can make them forget that they even saw you because everything's connected through the net but it just gets repetitive after like the hundredth time that you do it and it's really cool when like you blind someone and run up to them with an aluminum baseball bat and just beat the crap out of them but like i said that that's that's can only get it just gets it just gets boring there are just so many facets facets of this game that i just haven't even touched because the game doesn't do a good enough job to make me care for those mechanics there's there's a crafting mechanic that i have not touched in the 40 hours of this game that i've played there are missions that you can do for the night city police department but the game literally just tells you hey you can help them out if you want and like i helped them once and i got some xp and some money and that was it hmm. there's no like reputation slider uh or like morality system in like a fallout or infamous so i just completely don't even do those police missions how how um, does the game you're playing on pc right so have you run into any of the like performance yeah. issues or as a like as a technical on a technical level like even if the game's not moving to play is it at least functional on like on current gen system or last gen systems i guess they now are so I've been lucky enough to not encounter too many bugs. And the worst one that I got was I was riding down the street in my motorcycle. And all of a sudden, V was T-posing on the motorcycle. <laughs> oh, like they did a trick. But, so but he wasn't wearing any pants or boxers. <laughs> so his dong was just hanging out and his ass cheeks were just flowing in the wind. So it felt like it's more hilarious. It was, than... it was for like, <laughs> uh. yeah. And I'm not one of those guys to be like, oh, my immersion's ruined. But at the same time, it's like this game has been in development for quite a while, and like this got past QA. Yeah, it's interesting because um, there's like a Bloomberg report about from Jason Shearer, I guess, about like how long it's been in development. Jason yeah. Shearer. Yeah. Apparently, it's only been in development for like three years. They announced it a long time ago, and then just kind of sat on it. And like, well, we did The Witcher. We made that work at the last second. We'll make this work. And obviously they didn't, but yeah, they put out a video. How do studios run nowadays? Yeah, Anthem Anthem went through the same struggle. Yeah, they put out a video recently, kind of not really saying exactly what happened, but didn't they say that like, oh, we decided to create the city this way? We seemed like a good idea at first, but then later on, brought on all these challenges that you know kind of spiraled into this. Because, you yeah. know, they still decided to release the game when they did, which... Yeah, and, yeah, they said the that, and they're like, mistake. plus, like, you know, we, we optimized it for next-gen systems, then we tried to, like, back, like, port it to current-gen, and, and COVID happened, and we all had to work from home and adapt to that, and it was basically this... Oh, they didn't try. COVID. I know, yeah, but that's, like, I think this whole thing where it's like, listen, like, we tried a thing that didn't work, and then we just, like, tried to make it work within those confines, and then we just gave up and released it, so sorry. It's just like, well, maybe, like, <laughs> I don't know, I felt like they were making excuses still. Like, it was, it was nice that they owned up and said, yeah, we screwed up, but they didn't really say we screwed up. Like, we screwed up because COVID, because new systems, because it's just like, well... Just say, you know, then don't release it yet. Like, I know your money's drying on it, but if you have PlayStation 
and Xbox. Well, if PlayStation pulls it off their store completely, if Xbox puts a disclaimer on its listing, if every retailer says they'll do refunds beyond their their regular return period, the game should not have been shipped yet. Like it's simple. It's as funny that. because they released the game because they were afraid of their shareholders like rioting, yeah. and they released the game broken, and now their shareholders. Are, are suing CD Projekt yeah. Red. And meanwhile, it's they insane. eroded so much trust with their fan base. So much goodwill. So much goodwill. Years of goodwill. Like it's, it, yeah, and they can get it back. It's insane. You can get it back. It, it'll take time, but like any company can get back. I mean, on the flip side of that, you had Microsoft just yesterday double the price of Xbox Live and in the same day drop the price back down and make Xbox Live Gold uh, no longer required for free-to-play games, all because of fan reaction. So, like, you can make Goodwill back and then do a little more to, like, really seal that you made a mistake. I feel like they're still not doing that with this. Like, I feel... I get the impression I see Project Red just trying to, like, kind of coast through the current situation and then, like, hopefully fans will come around. But I don't know. It just, it so I'm seemed, guessing you yeah. didn't keep your Xbox One Cyberpunk edition, or did you sell that? that in time? Oh, because like, didn't you, didn't you have an Xbox One Cyberpunk edition, Kevin, or something like that? Oh yeah, I, yeah, that's just my like media center at this point. Yeah, I guess I haven't really played the game on Xbox One, but I don't see any point on playing <laughs> it on a last gen console for for that uh, matter. I guess you could sell it, but. It probably wouldn't be worth as much. Oh no, it, it's just it's just like it's just my media uh, my media center at this point. I got a nice little remote for it. That man, technology is awesome. Whenever <laughs> I turn on my Xbox, it turns on my my TV. Oh, dude, that was one of the most. Who knew that that was? That was be? one of the coolest things when I got oh. the TV and like put the switch and the Apple TV in it, and whatever device I turn on, it turns on the TV. It's on the correct input. It does it by itself. I realize HDMI mm-hmm. pass through is not that new, but for me, it's new, and it's so amazing. Yeah, and like the TV also exactly. works with my phone, so there's literally a button on my control center on my iPhone where I could just turn off the TV. Like if the in the off chance it doesn't right. turn off everything else, like I have my phone's my TV remote now, which is really cool. Separate from the Apple TV, like just the actual TV, I could change the input of the TV using the phone. It's so cool. Damn, those first like natively, benefits. natively on the fo- on the phone, not not an app. Um, anyway, sorry, yeah, that's so, I mean, I could no, no, it's fine. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. So. So that was some of the that that was really the only big bug that I got on. But man, this game would also crash on me way too often. Maybe a crash every five to six hours. It doesn't seem like much, but no, that sounds like really bad. <laughs> Do you get what happens uh, to your progress? Yeah, I guess. Uh, the the game auto saves plenty, so that mm, okay. you know I won't lose that much progress. But it's still. But there have been enough crashes where I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm just done with this session of the game i'm just gonna play something else at right. this point um I, I know that they just released their big 1.1 patch which is supposed to fix a lot of bugs but I, I think it's just a little too late for me had this game been well optimized like during a launch i think i could probably forgive some of its misgivings but now it's just oh, i just don't care about it anymore it's it's sad because it's it was such a it was a game that was hyped up by everybody and their mothers mm-hmm. and especially the mothers for it to come out like for it to just be a competent game is a little disappointing, especially after everything that you know CD Projekt Red uh, promised. I, at this point, the behind-the-scenes drama is more inter- interesting to me than the game. But I don't know. I guess that's for another podcast. This is very mm-hmm. much damn. What is the type? I really of- hope such a disappointment this game was. I really hope. I mean, it it might be too late for some of the early adopters, but like I really hope they are able to turn it around and maybe like two years from now. 
it'll actually meet that requirement. I mean, just look at No Man's Sky. I mean, mm. it took a while, yeah. but it has so much goodwill now. Like, it's pretty much the game they promised and more. And in the beginning, like, everyone was disappointed. It was, like, the biggest, like, oh, they didn't do anything. You can't even, like, interact with people. It's, like, you know. So hopefully we can look back and be like, well, remember when it was like this? I mean, I don't know if The Witcher had this kind of problem. It seemed like it kind of, it sounded like it, it did. Maybe just not I think it did. It did. Yeah. The, but, but The Witcher was more on a on a technical level it was a it was sort of a mess this is a mess mechanics why well it's not even a mess it's just it's just very very standard mm. it's a very generic open world game which i think is the most disappointing part of it right especially after like i said they 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 promise branching story story paths which apparently there's a there's multiple endings to this game but man i don't even care to get to one of they them off, why would i care about the other they ones bit off more than they could chew and unfortunately, Absolutely. the way that games as services go and the way that like companies are comfortable releasing half-baked products is they can bite off more than they can chew, tell everyone they're chewing – or tell everyone they took that bite, release half of it, and then in two years, like they do with like Angel saying with No Man's Sky, they can fix it. And people are like, oh, well, two years later, sure. But like those first two years, all those people that bought it, 13 million copies sold, yeah, like, for those they kind of get it. screwed. I mean, even Nintendo started doing that with like Splatoon and Arms, and I mean, you least, know, whatever they did, they did it. Was, it was, like, it was super very polished. Yeah, it, what they yeah. had was, polished. but it was small. But you know, like those that waited until everything was done got a better package, and those that just stuck around with the and, and see something but, about that. And I would argue that's slightly different because something about that is like if if Nintendo chooses to release a polished small thing and then build on top of it, that's one thing. What happened here and what happened in No Man's Sky is they released not what was promised. Like they literally gave you less than what they said and it wasn't functional in cyberpunk's case yeah so it's a little different like it's one thing to sort of build up something and then yes you could either be along for the ride and it gets better with each with each update and each new gameplay thing or you can wait till the end to get it all at once but this one's like you can't even like it's not even getting better because it's just like they're trying to fix what's broken they're just trying to meet the bare minimum they promised you so yeah, yeah i don't know it's it's a well, weird thing basically people are paying for betas as full retail packages with deluxe editions and mountain dew tie-ins so it's it's weird <laughs> yeah well i wish them the best of luck i'm sure like there were a lot of like really hardworking people there that got like the short yeah. end of i guess the yeah. higher ups that just decided and, to push it but yeah and you know i was kind of dissing their video apology they did but the one thing i think was really admirable is they said right at the start this isn't our developers fault this was us the management we're responsible developers did what we told them to do they did it well you know we were the one that rushed it we're the ones that did this and that next thing so that was nice to see to project to see project Red's yeah that, that was admirable yeah, definitely so yeah so that was cyberpunk <laughs> what a let's get into something a little more positive angel you want to go with either of yours yeah, so I watched a movie called Lupin the Third, the first recently. I've been looking forward to this film for quite a while, even though I'm not like a big like I guess follower of the Lupin series. For those that don't even know what I'm talking about, because I know there is a show on Netflix called Lupin, which has nothing to do with this. Um, Lupin the Third is something that has been going on since like the late '60s. It's an anime that follows like a like a master thief sort of character. Um, he is like whimsical. It's more. It's like leans on like adventure and comedy and he's kind of a jokester but you know he is extremely athletic he 
can solve any puzzle. He's extremely brilliant, but yeah, he just wants to steal treasure. And he's typically accompanied by like Eagle Eye, but with a gun. Um, that's his character. I just say from what little I've seen, that's his arc. And Samurai with a sword that can cut through anything. And there's some other like recurring characters. Like there's like the the main chief of police that just wants to capture him it's like kind of like his goal like anything his life goal is to capture him put him behind bars basically because he always just narrowly escapes his grasp and there's like a femme fatale character that is pretty much just as cunning as lupin but you know they are always kind of butting heads because they're sometimes after the same thing but the only thing of lupin i've seen before this is um the castle of cagliostro which is a miyazaki directed film before studio ghibli was a thing so it's technically not considered a studio ghibli film but it's sometimes bundled together with those but that was fun like it was a fun film and this one is super fun as well like if you like fun adventure movies like akin to indiana jones then you'll definitely enjoy this but what makes this movie a really big deal is the fact that it's like the first cg outing for this character and for a character that's been around since the late 60s that has had i mean this franchise is huge in japan like it's one of their like cornerstone franchises and i think they did an awesome job of translating like you know animation to i mean 2d animation to cg animation like the character models are they feel so spot on and true to like i guess the cg one i mean the 2d ones that they're not really i don't know i mean they're definitely stylized in the way i mean just compared to other cg films but i don't know they found a way to make and this is something that i guess like japan is starting to experiment more with lately but they're making cg anime look really good like almost to the point where i could see in a couple years from now like more things is going in this direction i mean there are some c there are some more cg primarily cg animated animes like i guess becoming more popular like the one that comes to mind right now is Beastars. I haven't seen it, but I know it's like all CG animated and seems to have a pretty good reception. I think it's just the more realistic look of the world of um, Zootopia, if it wasn't made by Disney. But hmm. yeah, I mean, besides that, I thought I just took the landing on that. Literally, like at the very least, I would recommend just watching a trailer for it just because the animation style is, I don't know, they're they're doing a good... Beastars or Lupin? Oh, Lupin. Lupin. <laughs> yeah, going back to Lupin. Yeah, forgetting Beastars. Um I don't know, the way it's animated and the way these characters just move around, it's just so appealing to look at. Like, it really pushes away from the Pixar Disney style. And even Disney and Pixar feels like, at least in some of the movies they just announced and some of the brief little tidbits they showed. And even a lot of their more recent shorts, like, they're kind of pushing, like, they're kind of going away from their more grounded way that they animate things. And by that, I mean, things usually have more realistic physics. But, yeah, this has... It's just way more exaggerated. It's more cartoony and, I don't know, it just looks awesome. And you don't really have to know anything about Lupin except of what I literally just told you. I had only really seen that other film, The Castle of Cagliostro, before this. And I was able to enjoy it just as much. Like, you're, everything introduced is pretty much new except for, you know, those characters. And even the intro sequence, which this movie does have, um, during the opening credits... It kind of shows, like, the the main cast, like, in this flashy, very stylistic, kind of trippy-looking... That intro's awesome. Yeah, like, that intro, like, it kind of gives you, like, a gift into, like, all right, I kind of get, like, oh, this guy is good with guns, this guy uses sword, this guy is always chasing Lupin, there's this woman <laughs> that looks like she... I don't know. You know, like, there's... You get the gist of it. It's not a... It's a pretty simple film, like, plot-wise. If anything, like, it doesn't try to be complex, it's, it could be pretty predictable, but... It's just a really fun ride. And the set pieces, like, I don't know, it, it it feels big budget. Like, it feels like something that would have been awesome to watch in a theater. And, I don't know, sometimes it's just kind of fun just watching a movie where you have no, I guess, real attachment to the characters beforehand. Because, I don't know, I feel like 
this made me like a fan of Lupin and I kind of want to check out some of the animes now just because it's just a fun character to follow. And something I even learned recently that I thought was pretty interesting was that the film was actually animated by the same team that does the CG openings for the Sonic games. So say what you will about a lot of the Sonic the Hedgehog recent games. Like they have really snazzy intros like from Sonic Unleashed to Sonic Heroes to Sonic... Well, not Sonic Heroes. I think it's Unleashed Onward. <laughs> I mean, Heroes is just really old. I don't know if they worked on that yet. But, you know, like, they're very, like, cinematic, and it's like, I almost want to see a whole Sonic movie animated this way, but, yeah, Lupin, definitely check it out, or at the very least, check out a trailer. It's it's really fun, and it's cool. And it has a surprise appearance by a character that I didn't think we would ever see animated, and I won't spoil what it is, just because it's just kind of like a, huh, mm. they're actually going there. But, um, yeah, pretty <laughs> pretty interesting. And doesn't matter who you are, you'll, you'll you might have that kind of reaction, but... Yeah, and yeah, that's Lupin. Um, cool, cool, quick, cool. quick and brief, but just really liked it. Definitely so, Angel, I have, a, I have a question because you mentioned that, like, you know, more and more are moving into the direction of CG and anime is going that way. As someone who is an animation fan, like you, does that bother you that two D is being left behind pretty much in every variation of animation now, or are you kind of excited to see where it, where they take it? Like, do you it think there's really room, feel like do it... you think there's always room for two D? I guess is the question. I mean. I like that it's forcing 2D to go and, like, to find its own niche. Like, I don't know. It, it doesn't... I mean, at one point it did bother me because a lot of CG animation was starting to look samey. Like, it seemed like everyone mm-hmm. was going with, like, the Pixar Disney style of animation. But kind of, like, with... um Ever since, like, I think Hotel Transylvania came out and then, like, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and, like, Sony and other students started, like, to push, like, how characters move. Like, especially those that I mentioned right just now. <laughs> have a very, like, squash like, stretchy movement to them that you never really saw in cg animation before and it was almost like well you could do this in this medium then you get mm-hmm. movies like spider-verse that look and animate like nothing we had seen before then we have other movies coming out like um the mitchells versus the machines coming out on netflix which was at one point called connected which was going to be in theaters yeah but that's also made by the spider-verse team and that mixes 2d and cg at points and that one also looks great just study style wise i don't know mm-hmm. what, I'm a, what's for the film but i like that 2D is becoming more implemented into the way CG is animated. Because this film, like, feels like it was animated by 2D animators in CG. That's just kind of what it's feeling like. And the ones that... And the studios that are still animating in 2D have to push the envelope even more. I mean, it's been a while now since Klaus came out. But that movie, like... Say what you will about the plot. Like, it might not be the best movie. It's it's a good movie. I'll say it's a good movie. But it's not mind-blowing. But the visuals, holy shit. You would swear that movie is CG, but it's all 2D and it just looks beautiful. And, like, it's crazy. Like, literally, watch a trailer for Klaus and tell me that doesn't look amazing, knowing that that's all 2D animated. So it's cool just seeing, like, the medium getting, like, forced to push and go in a certain way. And, you know, you may see 2D and animated in television shows, and that's still happening. You are getting a lot of CG shows, but a lot of TV shows coming out are still 2D animated. I mean, just look at some 2020 shows like Close Enough or... There's right. like another show by the people that made Gumball coming out this year or next year. That's 2D, but kind of makes it some weird element. Solar Opposites came out in 2020. Right. And yeah, the season yeah. of that starts next month, I think, or March or something. Yeah. The only ones that have me kind of like, oh, man, like, I hope this doesn't mean 2D is completely gone. It's like studio specific, like specific studios changing their art style. Like Ghibli like, doing their first 3D. Yeah. Like two weeks from now, we're going to get Earwig and the Witch. I don't think that's the full title, but like Studio Ghibli is known for their like breathtakingly beautiful 2D films mm-hmm. that always feel like, oh man, like it, it, 
it kind of makes you remember like that you can have these breathtaking 2D landscapes and visuals because not a lot of them do that. Or like the movie that I talked about, Princess Kaguya, like Jesus, like those look amazing. But you know, they're making a 3D film and it visual wise, like it has the Ghibli aesthetic to it. Like the characters look like they came out from a Ghibli film. And you know, like I'm sure they had a hand in that Nino Kuni and the Witch. Because I mean, that's a Ghibli CG animated venture video game. But mm-hmm. I hope they that doesn't completely replace their 2D film because they still look great. I think their most recent one was The Wind Rises, and that one looked really great. Like if it always felt like they're like pushing that 2D medium, but this one it definitely feels like their first attempt at 3D. It doesn't look bad, but it doesn't look mind blowing. I feel like Lupin looks better, and if that's like. And that's like one of the first like CG Japanese animated films I could think of, actually, that looks like that amazing. So Ghibli's like, you know, coming in second. And I feel like after a few films under their belt, like it could be, I hope, I'm expecting them to be able to push the CG medium in their own way, like they did the 2D medium. But I hope they still produce 2D films. So that's the only case where I'm like, oh, I hope it's not completely replacing 2D. Right. Because, you know, I love all kind of animation. I mean, if anything, I feel like we need to see more stop motion. Like the only real stop motion, like, fix i can get is this twitter account that i follow that does these amazing short little stop motion videos with like figures that they just have and most of the time it's like figures that i have like they'll have like little mario figures or some you know they animated like a kirby figure a link figure some stuff from demon slayer and even some evangelion stuff and yeah those are really 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 good but yeah i mean if lupin is any indication i feel like the cg animation in japan is in good hands at least the theatrical one Mm -hmm. but i mean i wonder if we'll see like a cg i don't know i guess like my hero academia film like i feel like if one of these studios took that in like damn that would look amazing I mean, you know, and it'd be just constant good quality animation throughout the whole thing since... Yeah, it'd probably look good the entire time. Yeah, exactly. I'm so mad at that movie. Yeah, you wouldn't have stuff like that because you just make one model and that's say you don't have to redraw it over and over again, which is kind of an issue yeah. with anime or a lot of cartoons in general or why you get a lot of not moving, basically, just static talking. Uh, but... What was I going to... Oh, what's the last 2D animated Disney movie? Was it The Princess and the yeah. Frog? Jesus Christ, that movie came out, what? A long time ago. 2010? Somewhere around there. I was going to say nine, but yeah, maybe ten. Yeah, it's been a I'm while. I'm disappointed that Disney still hasn't put out hasn't put out any 2D stuff. Oh, no, 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 Um, Winnie the Pooh. I think that was right before was Princess last and the Frog, 2D? wasn't it? Or was it after? I think, I think it, it might have been before. Because I remember Princess and the Frog being like, oh, Disney's like 2D swan song of sorts, but... No, I think Winnie the Pooh came out afterwards. Maybe. Damn it, I gotta yeah, I'm looking look it up. up. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, Princess and the Frog was their first 2D movie in a long time. 2011. You're right. I think, because I think Princess and the Frog was 2010. Yeah, I think it was 2010. Yeah, you're right. As of 2021, it is Disney's most recent mm, okay. traditionally animated theatrical film. Okay, I guess that makes sense now, because that movie kind of bombed. Right. Yeah, then they just, um, like... <laughs> yeah, Princess and the Frog was 2009. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that was their first, we're like, look at this, we're bringing 2D back, and then they tried 2D again. And, and then there it went again. Yep. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh man, that sucks. Yeah. I've I've always liked the two D stuff much better than the three D stuff. Not counting Pixar, Pixar's I, actually you know at this point I guess you got it. Pixar used to be in their own league and now you know Sony Animation of all people are <laughs> killing it. Yeah, Sony's killing it. I mean, weird. Sony is all over the place because you know like they have a Spider Verse two coming out, but then they also have Transylvania four. Like the way it's animated is amazing. Transylvania three especially, but you know the plots maybe aren't that great. 
but they need to like Gendy Tartakovsky uh, I guess, I do guess his Popeye Strictly movie speaking, animation wise, yeah. Strictly speaking, yeah. Like they're definitely killing it. And Pixar, like the Emoji yeah. movie, probably sucks, but <laughs> I, I can't deny that those trailers didn't look. Nice. Yeah, I, I watched it, and production, like yeah, production wise, it was. That was pretty good. Remember, <laughs> remember else, when yeah. TJ Miller left Silicon Valley because he got a leading role in Emoji Movie and thought he was gonna be the next big star? Just, just remember that moment. Is that why? Is that why? He well, left? I mean, it was not exactly, but it was in tandem. He left Silicon Valley. He had Emoji Movie coming out. His composition himself is like, I'm bigger than the show now, and where'd he go? So, oh man, TJ Miller was such a fall from grace. Yeah, seriously, like, Cloverfield is one of my favorite movies of all time. I and, always forget he's you know, in he's it. He's the soul of and that. Every movie. time someone says he's in it, I'm like. Whoa! All over again. <laughs> Every time yeah. I, I've heard it like four times probably, and I keep being like, "Oh yeah." Yeah, he's the he's the soul and heart of that movie, and the fact that he's a, he's such a I guess lovable character in mm-hmm. that movie, and the fact that he turns out to be a huge dick in real life a is bummer. really disappointing. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. Lupin the third, the first. Great name. Uh, let's get let's give uh, Jason some time to talk. So, Wandavision. Yeah. Yeah, man. WandaVision. It was finally released on Disney Plus, the first entry in Phase 4 mm-hmm. of the MCU. This is our post-Endgame. Oh, I guess Spider-Man was the first post-Endgame thing. But this is the first, like, yeah, this is the first Phase 4 thing specifically. And it's interesting because it's also yeah. the first Marvel thing that's been released. The first MCU project to be released in over a year, which is the long. Oh, excuse me, the longest gap, I think, since, like, sometime in Phase 1, like 2009 or 10 or something that you know we've had marvel stuff multiple marvel things per year and then we just went this long with that so it's interesting that this is what comes back because it's so small scale in scope at least as we're seeing it unfold right now compared to you know what endgame was as and what's you know far from home was and what all those were does it's kind of an interesting contrast right you're watching it too though right Cohen? yeah i'm watching it too uh how you I feel about it third. Did, you, did you catch the third episode yeah yeah, yeah, yeah we talked about this uh, off the podcast okay yeah uh, angel you have no plans on watching the show no he's gonna watch the finale watch the last episode like i did mandalorian or something because you're an awful person no <laughs> psychopath dude jesus christ did I tell you that that I'm? I mean, did I tell you that I'm actually going through with my plan on watching all the Shit's Creek in reverse order, starting with the last episode? I already watched the last episode, so now I'm just gonna, you know, go backwards from okay, there. Okay, that's pretty funny. Just to kind of see what that experience is like. I mean, after it's all done, it'll be like you know, I watched I all the episodes. I would probably do with the shorter show, but I was just saying, theoretically, did, he'll get but... the same character arcs just in reverse. Like he'll still see the growth of a character, or the, the and I'm, I'm gonna get the payoff of a character, first, and then see like, oh, I wonder how they got to this point, and then I'll see it. No cliffhangers though. That's gonna be the interesting thing. Just so many questions of why things okay. happened. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so well, so what? Anyways, you, my my, my question to you, Jason, yeah. what have you thought of these first three episodes? Spoiler free impressions. Spoiler free. Okay, so I think I really like the idea. And the execution on a small scale works really well, but I think the pacing on a large scale is a little out of whack. So, so to elaborate on that, I think the concept, and this is in the trailers and everything, but if you haven't seen the trailers, I'm going to say a little. The concept of each episode kind of being a different era of classic sitcom television um, is really cool. Like the way they're kind of like funneling what's going on through that lens is pretty cool. And the attention to detail in each of those eras, the way they're shot – the intonation of how they speak, the tropes they use for the plot lines, the types of jokes they use, the fact that they're doing jokes that today wouldn't fly. Like there's a couple sexist jokes in there and, and she always kind of looks at the camera or like gives like a scoff or does like a you gotta be kidding me sort of thing. Like the way that they're doing all that, the way they do the commercial breaks, the way they uh, – like all that is like 
pitch perfect. It feels exactly like a show of that era that each one has its own intro with its own intro music that's kind of of yep. that time. Like they do a great like riff on Bewitched for one of them. Um, mm-hmm. And really the whole – actually one of the whole – the whole – Wanda and her powers and like what Scarlet Witch can do and how she does around the house is basically bewitched. Like the whole thing's an homage and a send up and that's really cool. It has laugh tracks and all that. Uh, so I think that's great. And the doing it at that level is really interesting. Um, what I think the show for me until the new episode that came out, the third episode, I felt like they were leaning too much on the, um, the homage to the old school sitcom yes. and not enough on the, um, kind of deeper underbelly. Because, again, without trying to mm-hmm. spoil anything, maybe a slight spoiler, I'm not sure. But, like, ultimately what the show really is about is, like, it seems like um, Wanda coping and how she copes. And it seems like whether yeah. she's choosing this coping mechanism or someone's forcing it on her or what, it seems like the coping mechanism is, well, I grew up in Eastern Europe. My vision of what the perfect life is is what I see on these old reruns oh, of American sitcoms. What? No, I thought, oh, you said vision. Oh, huh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but like her, like her, yeah, and, and she, like, this is what the perfect, like, life is. So to cope with what happened in Endgame and Infinity War and all that, she is sort of, again, I don't know if by choice or not, buried in these sort of recreations. And there's, like, little hints in the first two episodes where things like, well, this is somewhat weird. And she sort of knows something's off and then she kind of, like, shakes it off. But they're so few and far between and so much focus on the first two episodes, at least on the surface, seems to be just the silly, like, tropey sitcom plot that it – until episode three where I'd say, like, the back third of it starts to really play with it, um, the back third of that episode, it really did feel like it was just dragging its feet a little and trying too much to lean on the homage and not enough on what's going on. My opinion changed pretty heavily after watching the third episode. With the third episode. Yeah, because then it started to kind of pick up the pace and be more what I think I expected the first two to be. But I don't know how you feel about it, Ken. So I honestly thought that this was going to go in a different direction. Really? <laughs> um, you hit the nail on the head. I feel the exact same way. I haven't been fond of the show yet as there are some people who are absolutely smitten with the show. And mm-hmm. not that there's anything wrong with that, but I guess the main reason that I haven't been liking it is because it doesn't feel like its own thing yet. Like you said, um, they lean, those first two episodes especially, I found grating because it leans so much into that classic sitcom aspect mm-hmm. that I never found entertaining. I never liked I Love Lucy or the Brady Bunch. Right. So, so all that stuff just goes over my head. I haven't found any of the jokes particularly funny. It just comes off to me as incredibly corny. And I know it's by design, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I like the design. Sure. If, yeah. And if that, if that makes sense. It's funny because I feel kind of uh, like there's a couple jokes I smiled at, but I feel kind of the same way that like mostly I'm just like, I'm just getting through this to see what happens. But I, on exactly. some level, because I am like, I, I am a buff for the sorts of silly meta stuff and pop culture stuff. I am like from a far, like appreciating it from a distance almost like being like, okay, I see what they're doing. Okay. This is exactly how that type of joke could play out. Yeah. It's cheesy. Yeah. I, I didn't laugh, but like this is an accurate representation of what they are recreating so i could appreciate that but yeah it does make it harder to watch in terms of like being gripping at least until the third episode exactly um and then like 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 you said that this you know you get a little hot every now and then Uh, this uh, same for me i haven't laughed out loud at anything in the show yet um that being said paul bettany seems like he could be a shoe in for comedy movies honestly she has like the right beat timing and she like then like that old-timey voice she was using in like the first episode she's has some comedic yeah. chops which i guess makes sense given her sisters but um 
Yeah. So this there's, there's some definitely a, no, a you cannot on. say that given her sisters. Well, I mean, she watched her sisters be on sitcoms, so she's probably seen sitcoms and like kind of gets, you know, she's the younger of the three, isn't she? Okay, maybe. So, so she's um, just been around the comedy sitcom world. Not necessarily they, right. not necessarily they are super talented sitcom stars, but she has witnessed sitcoms her whole life, basically. So this is supposed to be a yeah. straight up comedy? Cause the trailer didn't give me a, no. this is a comedy kind of vibe, just kind of like a weird thinker kind of show. So, like a figure what, out what the A lot of people are writing thing. online. What a lot of people are writing online is, this is the MCU's take on like classic sitcoms. And it is definitely not that. It is not that. And at I hate all. that. I keep reading. That this is the MCU's take on classic sitcoms. I wouldn't even say it's an homage to those sitcoms, honestly, because to me it just feels like a car, uh, a carbon copy of yeah, that's true. What an episode of I Love Lucy or The Brady Bunch would be, which would be with like some MCU sprinkled in. It's like especially those first two episodes. Mm-hmm. It's like ninety five percent just a straight up rip of you know those classic sitcoms, and then with just a little bit of the MCU stuff with like. That being Wanda's powers or Vision's, you know, his, uh, his, what do they call it? Like his synthetic look. Yeah. Yeah. His, um, his, uh, red and metal get up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, um, it's, it's, yeah, Angel, it's definitely not. Um, I mean, there are like, if people enjoy those sorts of classic shows, it does because it's a carbon copy and it is such a direct reference. I mean, literally like the race, the aspect ratio, the color, black and white, like everything, the, the can multi-cam versus single cam, depending on the episode, uh, the clothing of the era, the set design of the era like it's so right of like just ripped right out of that era so if you if someone enjoys those sort of more silly like simple beat uh early sitcoms then yeah they might say this is the mcu sitcom but uh yeah no it's there's definitely like i think when we get through all six or seven of these or however many there are i think i think nine. Oh, not oh okay well when we get through all nine i think when we look back at those first two and then see what this it'll becomes. make sense I, I don't think it's just it'll make sense i think it's gonna make the first two even less of like mcu sitcom and more of this weird like tra- almost like tragic horror show thing where we're gonna see i'm imagining some sort of psychological manipulation of i mean clearly there is but more so oh, of okay, Wanda okay. L- and, let's get into like light spoiler yeah. territory and we will we'll mark uh yeah mark it the as, beginning yeah. of of the and by well, the way, the only reason I was comfortable saying that without spoilers is in the trailer Mark. they basically say it without saying it. Oh so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. let's talk a little just, more. I just to give the, yeah. the the little tidbits. I, I don't really have any theories. Uh, I there there is one theory that I that I've I've got, but it's not even that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, as as uh, okay, we're going to spoilers for uh for uh Wandavision here. Yep. So as Jason mentioned, I guess the turning point finally has been this third episode um that shows a shows a little a little bit more of the mystery of of what's been going on so we're still not sure if wanda is a prisoner of you know this this what it seems like a bubble around a small little sleepy town or if she is doing this on purpose yeah and yeah. and I think um, to kind of finish the thought before we entered spoilers that now with spoilers makes more sense is I think by the end of the series, what we learn of how this came to be and what she is, the situation she's in is actually going to make those first two episodes not funny and not like, oh, it's a sitcom, but actually almost probably tragic in a way. Like it's going to be like kind of like it's like a weird twisted, like not horror show, but, you know, I think the New York Times or some reviewer used the term horror show. I wouldn't go that far, but it's definitely going to like make it look like it's really dark. Like, yeah, it's a tropey sitcom, but like. Once you see presumably episodes four through nine, you're gonna look back at those and be like, "That was actually dark." <laughs> like the way that she's like right. gritting her teeth through it and stuff. But 
Um, but yeah, I, I'm of the, I initially was of the opinion that she was creating this for herself as an escape to kind of go back to what I was saying about like, you know, the, what the perfect American life is. And she watched it, you know, as a kid when she was in Eastern Europe and she's like, Oh, I want to recreate this because that'll be my escape. And maybe like each episode, so to speak, because I think there's five or six of the nine that are going to be different eras of TV could be like each stage of grief in some way or something. I don't know. Um, but now I'm starting to think based on episode three because the bubble was sort of popped and someone was extracted out and it wasn't her. It wasn't Wanda that was extracted. I'm starting to think someone is either monitoring her in that bubble that she created or keeping her in that bubble, but it's not fully. Oh, in well, well, yeah. She's definitely being monitored because yeah. the, the first episode ends with somebody watching that first right, episode right, right. on That's a TV. Right. Yeah. I should, I should clarify yeah. that either she, I either they're letting her create her space and then just keeping the piece there to learn something, or they are keeping her there because they're afraid of what she'll do if she's not there. Is I guess uh, what I'm trying to say. Well, so, so, like so I think the the organization at this point has been confirmed as Sword. Yes, the imagery is uh, everywhere. Department of Shield. Yeah, which yeah. is the intergalactic, interterrestrial, interdimensional spinoff of Shield, basically. Which I feel like is yeah. saying up Phase Four and, of the and MCU. whatever. Basically, whatever Nick Shield was doing at the end of Far From Home. Yeah, and it's totally like see like. If you look at what's on the slate for, uh, you know, the MCU is like the Eternals and, and Doctor Strange having a bigger role and even being the mentor for Spider-Man and the next Spider-Man, like, Sword's gonna be the new shield as we go into phase four, basically. Like, Shield's falling to the wayside now, it's all about sci-fi interdimensional stuff, I feel like. Yeah. Um, so, have you seen all the MCU movies, Jason? Yes. Yes, I have. Okay. So, so, that second episode, there's a voice that breaks through like a radio. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely, Randall Park's character yeah. from Ant-Man. From Ant-Man Lost. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So I, that, that's cool that he's in this. I, I did like that character and the fact that they're getting uh, a supporting character from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Which isn't a very liked movie, apparently. I I, I really like that movie. I enjoyed it. I mean, Randall the Park. ant drumming on the drums was a little ridiculous, but they cut to it four times, and by the fourth time I was into it. So. <laughs> Maybe right. with Randall Park. Yeah, no, I, I um, thought it was a fun movie. Um, but yeah, I'm very curious to see where it goes. With Randall Park. And like how. What? Randall Park? Oh, um, he was the agent. He's the main character of uh, Fresh Off the Boat. Okay. I don't know if you've ever seen a. He's he's Kim Jong Un in the interview. He's who? Kim Jong Un in he's the Kim interview. Kim Jong Un in the interview. Ooh, I barely remember that film. Wait, is he the dude from Always Be My Fresh Maybe? Because I saw that recently. Yeah, that's him. Oh, okay, that helps. Yeah, thank you. But yeah, it uh, it I'm I forgot what I was there. So yeah, I'm curious where this go. I'm curious if they're gonna like introduce a big bad in this, or if it's just gonna be like a. Like, I, I can't tell if they're going to introduce some sort of major villain to this or if this is just going to segue into something where a, ma- a movie where a major villain can be introduced. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if, like, there's going to be some big bad at well, the end Ke- that's pointing Kevin, strings. Kevin or... Feige has gone on to record uh, record as saying this uh, this show, WandaVision, is going to be very important for Doctor Strange. Okay. It's going to lead yeah. directly into Doctor Strange. That makes sense. Yeah. Doctor Strange is where, isn't there a quote-unquote, he said that she will, Doctor Strange is where she will become the Scarlet Witch. Gotcha. I mean, isn't the, there a the movie literally wrote... called Doctor Strange and the Scarlet Witch or something like that? No, it's Do- it's Doctor Strange no, 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 and the no. Multiverse is the name. In the Multiverse of Madness. M- of Madness, right. I knew I was forgetting some verbiage. By one Sam Raimi. Yeah, right? Like, who would have thought? Um, but, yeah, yeah it's uh, – I will say, like, I've never really cared about Scarlet Witch or Vision. Like, they've always been the weak part of the MCU to me. Like, even in, like, Age of Ultron and stuff, I'm just like – Oh, okay. Like they just feel like they were shoehorned in and just kind of there. And then the romance definitely felt that way. It's like, oh, I guess they're a thing now. All right. 
Yeah, like even or like you know, obviously um, in Age of Ultron, she has a pretty big story arc because it's in her home country and like Quicksilver's involved and all that happens with him and yada yada. But I still just kind of like, all right, I mean, she just kind of appeared in a movie once and now she's a thing, I guess. But oh, <laughs> but I feel like Age of or not Age of Ultron, WandaVision, Even though I don't necessarily care about the character, knowing all this stuff is at play and what that can mean for basically all the Marvel movies here on out has made me invested. <laughs> so in basically, her because they told you, we promise there's a payoff. You're like, all right, I'll give it a shot. Well, it's not even as promised as payoff. It's just like I now – it's almost like this is the origin or story about her that was like – I felt was missing. Like I felt she was just thrown in and they kind of did some backstories. They threw her in, but she's just there. But this feels like, okay, well, they're sort of resetting and here she is going forward and here's how she'll influence everything that happens in the movies. And okay, I can I can get behind this now. And it feels more – I don't know. It feels more like natural than how she was originally I introduced. I wonder if Aaron Taylor Johnson is going to make – an appearance in this show. Who? He played Quicksilver, right? Quicksilver. Um, I mean, oh, I mean, spoiler, spoiler, because spoiler. They name dropped this... his character already. The main, exactly. The main so this is the first time that they name drop which uh, also Pietro which... and anything outside of Age of Ultron. Yeah. Like, do they even mention him at all in Civil War? I, I that's the so. next time that she shows up on screen, right? I don't think they do. Yeah. So she has. So her brother hasn't been mentioned in anything up until this episode, and it. It caught me by surprise. Yeah. When uh, well, Claudine, that's that's her fake name, right? Uh, Glenn Geraldine, Glendale, Geraldine, 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 yeah, Geraldine. When she's like, Pietro's your brother. He was killed by Ultron, and it like I was like, huh? Yeah. I haven't thought about that dude since Age of Ultron. You know, back in what 2014 or something. Or yeah, 14, you're right, yeah. One thing that um, yeah. I actually found very beneficial is anyone who does want to watch the show and hasn't checked it out yet. Um, because Disney's looking for more content for Disney Plus, they have a new limited series, like brief mini series called Marvel Legends. And all it is is uh basically a previously on the MCU. And it's like seven minutes of just clips of all the movies and all the key points that then become relevant. So like they focused on Quicksilver oh, and so her cool. in, Age, in Age of Ultron in the Wanda version of that. And, you know, I watched that, I watched Vision and going into this. It's still confusing if you don't remember much of the movies, but if you remember the basics and just need a refresher, it's a good way to sort of get you in the right headspace to know what's going on and to appreciate things. And and to that point, something else I think is probably – like I'm at a disadvantage because I don't read the comics, but I suspect in the first few episodes when we were like, oh, it's all sitcom tropes, they were dropping hints, I'm sure. Like I know for a fact the kids that she gave birth to uh, in the newest episode are actually – characters from the comic books that become like a big thing like it wasn't just like oh she gave birth to two twins it's a funny sitcom thing like they're relevant to the mcu and like the commercials are all different mcu related things like the fake commercials there was a stark reference huh. there was a, a hydra reference like so there's they're laying some little there's stuff. a strucker reference Strucker, yeah, that's who was direct of. character from mm-hmm. age of ultron who was the one that like did like that she originally was involved with being right? experimented yeah experimented the, the, the guy who was leading the experimentation on yeah. Basically the, the, the twins, the Stark foil. Um, yeah. But yeah, so like there – and you know, I think as other stuff happens in the MCU, as WandaVision carries on, there might be uh, – it might be worth revisiting those first few episodes to see other things that we didn't pick up on. Like I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, I, I don't know. I man. don't know if I'm going to necessarily do <sighs> those, it. Those, saying, those two episodes are just great. They're just – they just get on my nerves. They, like, they were slow. I mean, they're a normal sitcoms, yeah. but yeah, I, I just wonder how many layers of references there actually are. But I don't know if I'll have it. I think it, to go back, but I'm curious. I think in it, retrospect, and it's it's cool that they released those first two episodes. Yeah. Instead of 
me being like, huh, that first episode, I don't know. Maybe they'll pick up the pace and then the second episode being exactly the same thing. I think they should have, truthfully, they should have released all three together. Just released the first as like a little movie. Yeah, that would have, that would have actually, yeah, yeah, I, I, I would have loved that actually. That, being it's, down it's, on two episodes and then finally getting my, my spirits lifted in the third episode. And, and just to be clear, I'm not arguing that this show has to be explosion and beam fights like <laughs> in the Avengers movie. Yeah. It's just that the, those, especially those two, those first two episodes, devoted a lot of time to those old sitcoms and less time to the overall mcu i feel like i mean like angel for your reference one of the episodes they have to do a talent show and it's literally the struggle of them figuring out their act and then doing their act and then vision uh having some issues because he has gum stuck in his gears so he's like kind of drunk basically um but it's like it's like full-on a sitcom like and then they just have like two three minute long at most little references to things beyond like you know one thing yeah. says happens and another thing happens and someone says something and that's it. And then the rest of it's just like, look at the wacky talent show. So yeah, you definitely have to like, if you're, you know, you definitely have to sit through those if you're wanting something darker or deeper or, you know. Yeah, I would, I would absolutely start with third episode if, if you do want to see this show. Cause I, I don't think a lot enough happened in those first two episodes. At least from what we can tell to, now. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't think a, a, enough happens in those two episodes. But again. In relation to the outside world. Yeah. Yeah. Compa- especially compared to that third episode where that that that, that final what six seven minutes uh-huh. are absolutely like tension filled oh yeah that that's what finally got got me going and it's fun to see like honestly one of the things i did kind of like in um and it happened more in the third one too but like there are little like hiccups or glitches or weird things that happen like in the third episode where oh he yeah says that, hi- that glitch in the middle of the yeah. of the third episode where because she re- it, she resets what, it. it cuts that's... back like a couple of seconds mm-hmm. I was like, huh, wait, did something happen there? I, I like restarted it. Not restarted it. I, I went back a couple of seconds like, oh, that's just by design. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, like that. Or even just like there was one, um, also in the third episode where <laughs> Vision says hi to their neighbor who's head, who's trimming the hedges, but like he's not trimming the hedges. His trimmer like went into the wall and he's just like trimming the wall and not oh, even yeah. knowing. So like the, yeah. into the concrete blocks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like just like there's little things that are just like kind of like, not unsettling, but a little like weird. And you're just like, what? Off kilter. Off kilter. There we go. Yeah. But yeah, so it's interesting. I'm really very, very much interested in where it goes from here. Yeah. I mean, if it felt like I got six episodes left. Uh, yeah. I mean, if it felt like they were the back. I mean, that's yeah. always exciting no matter what. And but. and on some level, like props to, to the creators of this of being like, all right, well, if Disney's having us do a TV show. Because like, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier were supposed to come out first. And I was just going to be... Um, I think just like it's just a six episode hour long episode like action filled normal MCU style thing. I think WandaVision was always supposed to come out first of these shows. Oh, I thought really? I thought uh, Winter Soldier got delayed. Oh, okay. Well, if WandaVision no, came out I'm, first, I'm, I'm pretty sure WandaVision was always the first one. Well, either way, it was the one that started started production the earliest out of all these shows. Ah, okay. Because I'd say either way, props to the MCU folk for basically going, all right, well, if Disney's going to have us do these episodic things, let's lean in and do something we can't really do with a movie. You can't have this sort of thing for a movie, like the first couple episodes. That doesn't work. So it was kind of cool to see them right. adapt to the medium, whether or not, you know. Technically, Black Widow was supposed to be the, the start of true. Phase 4. Well, well, Black Widow is also kind of, a, it's kind of also a prequel, so it's like its own weird yeah. siloed thing. But, um, yeah, so it's 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 interesting. It's very interesting. And and seriously, they put a lot of effort into mimicking old school sitcoms and they do it really well. Even if it doesn't get interesting till the more modern stuff kicks in. It it mimics those sitcoms so well that it's it becomes it's a little a, too much. It yeah. was a little too much for me. Yeah, yeah. 
But like the, the, the Actually, effort it of wasn't crafting, really too much. It was too much for me. <laughs> I was just to say the effort of like crafting it to that extent where like it really feels so old timey that you're even like, wow, I don't like this genre. Why am I even like, you know, that's not that's that that takes yeah. a little effort. That takes some research and everything. So props to them for that at least. Yeah, but yeah. So that's Wandavision. Yeah, so uh, that was Wandavision. Yeah. Okay, I guess I guess I'll talk about this. So after all my pessimism in this episode, mm-hmm. I think I can finally talk about something that I have enjoyed in these last two weeks way more than I thought I would. It's an anime called Kaguya-sama Love is War. Jason, do not tune out for this because... I'm here. There, there. I got, got something I got something for the end. Ooh. Angel, have you ever heard of this show? No, I have not. Okay. So, a couple of episodes ago, I was talking about how I kind of wanted to break from shonen anime. You know, swords clashing, characters fighting, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I wanted something that leans shonen, but is also restrained. Um, I wouldn't say that this anime is that. It's actually much closer to a slice of life anime, but it's actually a slight twist on like romantic comedies, uh, both shows and animes. So the gist of the show is this. It's, it's, it follows two high schoolers, Shiro, who is the, uh, he's the student body president of his academy and Kaguya, who she is his VP. So they both have feelings for each other, but instead of the will they won't they stuff that, you know, romantic comedies, pretty much made of they are both aware that they like each other but they're both too proud to make the first move so the show is them like coming up with situations to make the other one confess first it's basically a battle of wits and mind and i know angel might be go what when i say this but it's like if death note was a romantic comedy that's hilarious um yeah you have like the top two academically gifted students in this academy trying to outsmart the other one, and the results are usually pretty hilarious. Um, so like in the first episode, Kaguya gets a letter from like a secret admirer who wants to meet up, and she's not really going to meet up with that person. She's just using it to her advantage to see if Shiro will confess and you know stop her from going on this date with this one person that she's never met so shiro has to come up with a way to stop her from going without making it seem like he's doing it because he's in love with her what sort of adds some absurdity into the mix is that there's a third character the student body's secretary her name is chica who is completely oblivious to like everything that's going around her and she practically gets unknowingly used in their schemes or sometimes she'll be a wild card that just throws a wrench into their planning because she's just like a force of chaos there's a there's one battle where shiro creates a line account which line is uh it's like an asian territorial specific whatsapp it's asian whatsapp yeah yeah Yeah, exactly Uh, that battle is like who asks for the other's line account first shiro's way of trying to win is like he has he adds chica first and chica remarks like oh your profile picture is a baby picture of you and he's like yeah i'm gonna change it so that now he's trying to force Kaguya's hand to ask for his account first and s- so that he won't go to her to ask for her account, you know? Yeah. Um, and like almost every episode contains three battles like this. And th- like it c- towards the end, there was a couple of side chapters, but, um, I, I think that that's done by design just so that it doesn't get too repetitive. I have called all these things battles is because the show absolutely treats them like battles. The, the the subtitle is Love is War. There's a narrator throughout the entire series that will give insight to whatever tactic Shiro or Kaguya are using to get the other one to crack. And, like, the ways that they mess with each other to make the other confess is so funny and it's reflected with how, like, some of the scenes are drawn. Like, the zoom-ins on the characters' faces when they have to think quick on how to counterattack. The constant hearing them uh, internally screaming at their situations. 
They even do that thing that Death Note does, uh, Angel, where, like, you, the background will get gray, and then lights will be, like, have, like, a blue filter on him. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they do that. It, it's, like I said, this is Death Note as a romantic mm-hmm. comedy. I think what this anime also benefits from is that it's pretty grounded in realism. It's only 12 episodes long, so the animation and art style are very, very, very good. It never looks lazy, and... You know how I hate my lazy animes, even to in regards to animes that I love. Um, and then whenever the show does try to make something look ridiculous, it looks ridiculous, but it looks awesome. Like, in one episode, they, they do visualize Kaguya and Shiro's battle as, like, a World War One aviation dogfight. <laughs> that Yeah, this, I, this, actually, this show is so funny. Yeah, you have Definitely my attention to the one, I think. It's a really clever idea. Yeah. I couldn't find the dub anywhere. If if you know me, I usually watch the dubs because I never... I, I don't find dubs cringy or anything. So I did have to watch it subbed. But I like, like other animes that meant I couldn't play a game while watching it. So maybe that also plays into why I like the show so much because I was actually paying attention to it. <laughs> um, And like Jason, I would absolutely recommend that you watch this with your girlfriend, honestly. It's... It's, like, pretty wholesome, and, like, with a small exception near the end of the series uh-huh. or the season, uh-huh. uh, there's, like, no drama the entire time. So it's, it's just a pretty good time. It it's, sounds I, really I just think it's fun. a really well-done anime. Yeah. Yeah, like, it sounds like it's just leveraging the, the anime medium to do, like, just go all-out ridiculous, which... Yeah, yeah exactly. Is it's kind of it's more so funny. TV, so. There, there's... It's never mean-spirited at all. I think... I think this is especially an anime that I needed right now, especially because I finished Tokyo Ghoul and I talked about how much that show sucked. Right. And then I I just finished this one other shonen anime called Noragami, and that show was actually pretty good, but not an anime that's good enough that I would dedicate a QC segment for. And like, you know, right now the final season of Attack on Titan is going on, mm-hmm. and that looks like it's going to be incredibly entertaining, but miserable. Like that last episode, Jesus Christ. I'm sure me and Angel will talk about that when, yeah, when it's when over. over. Damn, um, show. Yeah, uh, and this show apparently does have a second season that that is dubbed, but I can't find it anywhere legally, so I might have to get creative about how I watch that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Kaguya-sama loves war. Uh, I never thought that I would enjoy the show as much as I do. It's it's so clever, the it's so funny, is it's so good. I know it's, it's a good time. I I I would absolutely recommend this to anybody who likes like romantic comedies, which I I like my my romantic comedy. I like a good one. You know, the Terminal probably one of my favorite ones. Tom Hanks. Terminal's good. That's a romantic comedy? Yeah. Huh. Every time I'm in an international yeah. airport, I'm always like, could I live here? And like, look around <laughs> ever since I've seen it. <laughs> and most often the answer yeah, is, yeah, I probably could. Yeah, it's a Kaguya-sama. Damn. Watch it, Jason, with your girlfriend. I will. I will pass along the recommendation. If the first if the first episode doesn't do it for you, then I don't think the rest of it will. Right, but at least so, give the one. At least, at least give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. It's. I yeah. really like the premise. It sounds wacky in a very yeah. fun way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you want to talk about this last thing, Angel? Uh, th- th- or you want to save it? I think we could save it. Ooh, a so, cliffhanger right, for cool. next time. Yeah. Because cool, 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 cool. I definitely have a lot to say about it. I mean, there are 104 episodes that I watched of this in two weeks. Oh, Jesus. That's, I didn't know. Th- that's oh, your Jesus. hint, listener. Go Google what has 104 episodes and see if you can figure it out. I'm, I'm kind of embellishing it. Tell it, us it, and it you won't in reality, anything. it's, uh, I guess, 52 because each of them is 11 episodes long. They just kind of split into two. They have nothing you to do with each other. 11 minutes, I hope. Each, 11 minutes. Long. Yeah, yeah 11, 11 minutes. Long. Each episode so, is 11 so, episodes. <laughs> so there's that's a hundred Ball Z, I think. So there's a hundred and... Oh, 104 11-minute episodes. 
We'll put it that way. Ooh, even more tantalizing. I think, yeah, someone tweet us with your guess. Um, you won't win anything. <laughs> <laughs> but you could do it anyway. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Uh, let us know what you thought about this episode, either in the comments or on our Twitter at RamNintendo.com. Uh, you were probably no here on, on the Twitter. podcast app. Would no comma be... on the Twitter. What? Just RamNintendo. That's our YouTube is Ram Nintendo. Did I say comma? You did. Why do I keep it's... That's our YouTube. Ram Nintendo Cop. That's our that's our YouTube channel. Yes, sir. Um you're probably listening to this on the podcast app, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio. I feel like I'm missing one. Uh, uh you know oh, who I... you are out there. App you, we didn't yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> thank thank you for listening to us on whatever podcast app you are. Uh individually, we are well, not we, but Jason is JSR7. Yep. Angel is Wero underscore O, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. I am, what am I? I, I, I am. You're KVN Gomi. I am Gomi. Kevin, KVN Gomi. Having an identity crisis. Yeah. And uh, that'll do it for this episode. Jason, take us out. It has come to my attention that select Walmarts around the country are selling Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition for only $10. So if you need something to do this weekend or this week or whenever, safely go to your Walmart and get what's supposedly a very good game for a very cheap price. (laughs) 